The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. We've really, in the new year, Holly, I mean, we started with with Evan last week and talking about, you know, the fact that Blue Monday was just this past Monday Mm -hmm. and how the the talk of mental health and depression, among other things, is uh, very important. It is. And there are so many things that can contribute to mental health not being as healthy as you would like it to be, whether it be anxiety, depression, um, things are more clinical. It could be the weather that's impacting you. It could be something chemical and hormonal. So it's uh, there's so many reasons why we should be focusing in on making sure that we're healthy mentally, physically and spiritually. It's all they all work together. And on top of that, too, I mean, you look at Bell Let's Talk, which is coming up at the end of the month. It, it seems as though it's not like we're trying to focus on it, but it just so happens that we have these amazing people who are able to enlighten us with regards to struggles or being able to help those who are struggling. Yeah. So I've got my pen and notepad ready to roll. I'll be taking some notes today. When you say ready to roll, it makes you sound 148 years old. Well, I'm an old soul. That's fair. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, Lynn Ray. So glad that we're able to hang out with you today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me on your show. It's it's good, as I was saying to Holly, because we, we talk to people who maybe are um, helping those who deal with depression, among other things. And you're someone who has dealt with not only depression, but uh, being bipolar um, throughout your whole life. Am I wrong with that? I was diagnosed with depression at age 30 and bipolar disorder five years later. Is there a connection between bipolar and depression or are they separate things? They are connected. Like with bipolar disorder, you have these highs called mania or hypomania, and then you crash and get depressed. That's the bi part of it, you see? Yeah. You feel wonderful and then you can't even function. But at 30, when I was diagnosed with depression, I took antidepressants and within six weeks, I felt great. Mm -hmm. they did their job like I had a chemical imbalance in my brain but for me I believe the depression happened slowly over a 10-year period yeah and um when I didn't do anything to search for the root cause of the depression I stopped taking my antidepressant and I ended up having a breakdown and it was a year after that they diagnosed me with bipolar yes Mm, Let's talk about that, because you said it's it's a 10 year thing that you're kind of going through. Did you realize that there was something? Was there something there that you're like, I just don't feel like me? Or was it just it felt like all of a sudden that, you know, that uh, something had changed in you? No, I think it was my marriage. Hmm. And it just happened slowly. I thought I had a great life. And to everyone else and to myself, I thought I did. But there was this little voice inside of me before I got married saying, are you supposed to be doing this? And it's not that I regret getting married. We have two wonderful children. We were together for 17 years, but we were like oil and water. We just didn't mix. Well, let's dive into that just a little bit because you talk about it being a 10-year journey and and sometimes in our life, we expect things to be a certain way. We have these plans, these grandiose visions of what the future will hold. And then that's not what, what happens. So let's start at the beginning of your journey, shall we? Uh, let's go back 
childhood, teenage years, um, you know, you're leading up to your your marriage, and uh, yeah, let's talk about that moment of is this well, for you or not for me? I couldn't have had a better childhood. I grew up on a farm. Yes, mm. I so love that. Life was pretty <laughs> simple and carefree. I had the run of the farm. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I had to help out, but that's fine. And I think it's good for kids. So like I said, I couldn't pinpoint anything that was wrong that led to these tears every day because it just happened slowly. And finally, I'd just be in tears every day. You know, that was the the first crisis. And then, like I said, I had my first breakdown in when I was 34 And then a year later, I had another breakdown. And that's when they said I had bipolar disorder. And that's when the real work really started. I thought, okay, I've got to figure out why. And how do I solve this? How do I overcome this? But with the help of the nurses at the hospital a few months later, they helped me realize my marriage was a big part of the problem. I had to leave my marriage before I could even start to heal from bipolar disorder. You know, some people have a major crisis and PTSD, you know, I understand that. But for me, it just happens slowly. And I don't blame anybody. You know, like I said, my husband and I just weren't, when people get together, you either grow together or you grow apart. And I believe we never grew together as a couple. The diagnosis was what year? 1996, bipolar disorder. Where we're 1996 to now we're in 2023. Things have drastically changed. Uh, How we we diagnose people has drastically changed. The meds have drastically changed. Do you see a difference from 19, you know, mid 90s to where we are now? By the year 2000, I was single. I was working full time. I went off my medication, had a breakdown, got depressed, had to quit my job. And that's when I was told I would never work full time again. Mm. And that was even scarier to me than the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Two psychiatrists telling me I'll never work and I'm only 39 years old. That did not sit well. (laughs) And that's when I guess I said, "Okay, I've got to do something. And I went through a five or six year period where I was on and off my drugs, um, partly because I didn't like the side effects. I was depressed, manic, hypomanic, in and out of the hospital. And then finally, things just clicked somehow. Well, part of it was they had newer and better antipsychotics on the market. And I found one that agreed with me. The side effects weren't so overwhelming. Like at the beginning, there was one time I was taking six or eight different pills every day. Now I take one pill a day because it's trial and error. There's no blood test to tell you you have a mental illness. It's all trial and error. But I believe, like I said, I left my marriage. Now I make sure I stay away from toxic emotions, toxic relationships, and toxic jobs. Because there's been another couple jobs I had to quit because the environment was very bad for me. And I got sick. I was determined to stay there because I needed to work. But I ended up getting sick because their morals and values weren't in line with my own. 
And I did the why me thing so many times. When I had my first breakdown, my mother looked me in the eye and said, why not you? That was tough, but my mother was a very strong woman. And I thought, okay, bad things happened to me. I have to deal with it. And my mother-in-law, she said to me, God never gives you anything you can't handle. And I thought, okay, I'm going to deal with this somehow, some way. Um, So, yeah, like I said, I had a few really, really rough years where I, when I couldn't work, I always did volunteer work to give back. You know, it might have only been an hour or two every week, but at least I had something I had to get out and do things for. And then finally, I think the biggest turning point was 2005. I called my doctor one day. I said, I've got three strikes against me. I've got nothing meaningful to do during the day. I was Mm. deeply in debt and I had no significant other in my life. And those were the three most important things to me. And he wanted me to take a pill for anxiety. And that was a quick fix, which I'd done many times before. And I said, no, I need a long-term solution. So I emailed a man who has become my mentor. We've never met or spoken on the phone, only by email. And he gives me good advice with a bit of religion thrown in. And he said to me, Lynn, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Volunteer, get out of your apartment and talk to people. Think about all the positives in your life. So that's when I first went to a mental health drop-in center. And I could see that I was further along in my recovery than many people. So I started doing talks about my recovery. And over a two-year period, I did 100 talks. And I was deliriously happy, but I wasn't making a living at it. That's when I said, okay, I've got to see if I can work full-time again. And after getting a part-time job, I got a full-time job in an office. And since 2009, I've been working full-time. Amazing. Six years as a virtual assistant where I did administrative and bookkeeping for small business owners. So I've proven that I'm a strong, independent woman. Ten years ago, the best thing that happened to me was I was able to buy a house. That is just the icing on the cake. Like, I'm not a material person, but having a home for my kids to come to again has been so nice. You're going through all of this stuff. Uh, You have one reaction from your mother. You have one reaction from your mother-in-law. What was the reaction from friends and family other than those two? Was there the support or was there, well, it looks like, Lynn, you're on your own? Um, my family don't talk about personal things. Mm. <laughs> my kids and I do, but I mean, my siblings and parents, it was a different generation, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 I felt very much on my own. Nobody knew I was taking antidepressants except my husband and one friend that I confided in. Right. But I still didn't talk about my feelings. I didn't know how to. Okay because I wasn't brought up that way. And it's taken years of reading self-help and motivational books, books about mental illness to learn to talk. I started journaling and that really helped bring things up eventually that maybe I was angry about and didn't realize I was still. Um, Motivational things kept me going. The one that I love the most is by Deepak Chopra. 
you can believe the diagnosis, not the prognosis. And I clung to those words. I said, okay, I have bipolar disorder, but I'm never going to believe I can't work full time again. Yeah. And look at you. You are working. You're giving back to the community. Yes. I'm talking now at libraries and I'm going to be starting to talk at our local hospital once a month to other patients there. Um, I've spoken at my church a couple times. And yeah, I'm really happy and moving forward and knowing there's, I've always had strong faith. I've always known there were better things ahead, no matter what happened to me. How much of a role did your faith play in your recovery? Oh, a huge role. I had to always believe that this happened for a reason. I didn't know why, but from the very first day I got sick, I said, I'm going to help others someday. Because when I got sick, I couldn't find anybody that I could talk to about it who had made a significant recovery from it. How difficult was it, though, for you to go from that conversation with your mentor saying, you need to get out there, you need to do something, uh, when you just can't stay at home, and then actually doing it? I went to the mental health drop-in center that day. Oh, amazing. Because mm, wow. that would be my because challenge. It's like, how, I don't know. Can I? It was like, okay, I, I just have to do, like, I've always been a joiner. I would join a group of people and play cards or, like, at public places, kind of. So I've never been afraid to go out and join something or meet people. Uh, but working for some reason, I had very low self-esteem for quite a few years when I was going through this. And employers can sense that, so they don't yeah. hire you. <laughs> yeah. I, I had mentioned earlier about the reaction from your mother, your mother-in-law. We talked about, you know, you don't necessarily have that conversation with family because that's just something that you didn't do. Uh, but you you wrote a book called The Seven F's to Creating Your Fantastic Future. And in that, it's the, the we're talking family, we're talking friends, we're talking faith, which you had mentioned. At what point, or, or why seven? And, and may I ask, why didn't you add the eighth, which should be football? <laughs> <laughs> well, a friend of mine says fishing, but... <laughs> okay, or nine. See, now we're at nine, Lynn. Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, okay, I realized I'd been missing a lot of things in my life. I didn't have strong family support at the beginning, okay? I really didn't have close friends. I wasn't having fun in my life. My mental fitness was obviously kaput. But, okay, there's... Everything is seven, the seven habits of highly effective people. There's seven planets. There's seven, no, not planets, seven continents. Uh, like everything is seven. The world was made in six days, one day to rest, right? Every seven is that magic number. Hmm. So I had family, friends, fun, fitness, and faith. And I thought, okay, I need two more. And one had to be around money. So that's how I came up with finances. Sure. And fulfillment is anything that you, you just love to do that leaves you with a feeling of joy or happiness. It can be a hobby. It can be volunteering. It can be taking care of your kids. Whatever leaves you feeling fulfilled. 
So that's how I came up with the seven Fs. But like I said, I'd been missing many of those things. Hmm. It wasn't until I started making friends and having fun that my health improved. Because I believe having fun is what changed the chemicals in my brains. You know, when you're depressed, you, you have a depletion of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, oxytocin, and endorphins. And by going out and having fun every single week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes we would just meet for dinner, we went horseback riding, we'd go to a movie. It was just a group of single people over 30 at the time that I found. And I strongly believe it was having fun that changed my life around because that changed the chemicals in my brain. And I literally rewired my brain. Yeah, which can be challenging. It can also take a lot of discipline, a lot of bravery. And I've heard... um, Actually, recently, rather, a lady tried to do something new every single day, and it helped her not Mm. feel depressed anymore. It was that act of getting out there, trying new things. And like you, she experienced that shift in in her way of viewing things and thinking, and she said it was really beneficial. Oh, good for her. Yeah. And so for you, you are an author, and that's another big new thing. Well, not – yeah, just compared to the life beforehand – um, what have people's responses been to your book? Very, very favorable. People say that it has helped them realize that, you know, there are things in their life they are lacking and they need. Just, you know, a couple comments have been, it's a very good self-reflection mm-hmm. of my life. You, you've had such a positive reaction. I mean, obviously, it's been uh, quite the journey and the struggle for you. But, and I mean, as we, we talk about, you know, the most depressing day of the year, which was on Monday, or we talk about Bell Let's Talk, and, and it's more and more that we're coming to have these conversations. But if you, if somebody's listening right now, if they know somebody who's struggling, or maybe they're struggling themselves, they're, they feel like they don't have anybody to reach out to, to talk to, what do you say to those individuals? Well, talking is good. And I used to call my local distress line many, many times, sometimes hmm. daily. I would say, call a local distress line, find somebody to talk to. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger, and it was for me. Hmm. And like I said, it gets back to having fun. Find one thing you can do alone by yourself that's fun. Maybe you like Sudoku puzzles. Maybe you like knitting. Maybe you like gardening. Um, You know, you need to find within yourself something fun to do. That makes you smile, that makes you laugh when you're doing it. Playing with an animal, maybe. You know, if you can't have an animal, maybe you can go to a rescue place and play with animals. They're so good for people. There's a lot of stigma around mental health, especially, you know, back in the 90s and the 80s. Like you said, it's a generation where we bottled in our emotions and our feelings and we just didn't talk about them. And if you felt, you know, sad, you just tough it up, you know, stiff upper lip. But now there are more people talking about it and the stigma seems to be lessening. Do you feel as though it's easier now to navigate mental health 
and keeping yourself on track than 20 years ago? Oh, definitely. Like I said, I make sure my needs are met every day. I make sure I have two or three of those apps in my life every day. You know, I go to church on Sundays. You know, I have a friend I talk to every week. My aunt has been my biggest supporter in the last 20 years and my and my kids. But it makes it easier for everybody. I think your generation is more open to talking about it than mine is still. Mm-hmm. You're, you just seem to be more open-minded and accepting of people that are quote-unquote different, you know? Mm. I'm really seeing that, you know, in the under 30 age group, for sure. Lynn, bless your heart. I know, for thinking I that like, Holly and I are under 30. <laughs> I was just processing that. I'm like, under 30? This filter yeah. is working really great. Well, okay. I wasn't really saying you were on. Un- oh. No, no, no. We're going to take no, no, that. No. <laughs> you're, not, you're not 40, either one of you, I'm sure. Oh, bless your heart, Lynn, for not thinking yes. that we're 40. <laughs> Maybe oh, it's because I'm getting older. I'm uh... 61. Age is just a number, right? It is. I feel younger now than I did at 30. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I feel fulfilled every day. And some days I don't do very much on the weekend. You know, it's like turn on the TV shows or, you know, just kind of veg out. And But I'm happy. I don't think God wants us to rush around like crazy. We're supposed to enjoy our lives and whatever enjoyment is for you. I'm lucky because I was brought up on a farm. I learned how to have fun without spending money mm. or a lot of money, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rock picking. That was always a lot. I, I, do, I do a lot of cooking. I have a vegetable garden that I love taking care of in the summer. So I have frozen vegetables in my freezer. And like I said, the things I do are pretty simple and basic, but they bring me joy. Yeah, that is such a great outlook, doing things that bring you joy. And it's encouraging, too, because often we talk to people who are still somewhat in the midst of figuring out some of their healing and their why me moments. And you had said that um, it was your mom and your mother-in-law who had spoken into you when you had one of those initial why me moments. Um, For you, do you find why me moments happening less and less, or can you just process them in a different way? Well, I know now the why me is so I can help other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm the last person that wants to be on video or talking to a hundred people in a room. Yeah. But the only way I can get my message across is to do that. I came overcame my fear of public speaking by joining Toastmasters. Hmm. So I've have had some, you know, semi-professional training. I'm still not, you know, a Tony Robbins or anybody, but nobody is. Um, so I attended Toastmasters for a few years because I knew my speaking wasn't at the level that it needed to be. Um, one other thing that happened to me when I was doing my talks before is I received an award from a nonprofit in our community. And 
that made me feel really special because I thought, wow, even people that work in the mental health field are listening to me. Mm. You know, so that was a really big moment for me when I got that award. Seven F's to creating your fantastic future. My journey back to myself. You can go to myjourneybacktomyself.ca. Lynn, we appreciate uh, the journey that you've gone through, that you continue to go through, and taking some time and sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to both of you today. So I think a couple big takeaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, having fun yep. changes the chemicals in your brain. So I need to have more fun. Yep. And do things that bring you joy, which I think is also part and parcel to having fun. So I just got to... Do more fun things, Holly. Yeah, I, I think so. I would add, because you're going to add football to the list. Yes. Uh, fishing was added. I'm going to add yeah. food. Because mm. I think what you eat also really does help you either be healthier and happier or you can feel sluggish and fat. The other F. <laughs> I was just going to say, my issue is, is that I eat a lot of food, which then makes me fat. Thanks. <laughs> Wait, is that politically correct these days? I don't know. <laughs> For this point in time, we're going with it. Okay. just When we get we canceled to... next week, it was not our fault. <laughs> oh, no. We just mean the best. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all it is. But I really appreciate Lynn's perspective. Oh, and that's the thing yeah. that I love about this is that we talk about people are going through the journeys. Then we actually talked with individuals who, hey, I was dealing with that. And yeah. this is what I went through. And this is how I've come out of whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. And what an incredible journey that she has had. And... Um, definitely one that was full of ups and downs. So I'm so glad that she can talk about it in such an honest, candid way. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Don't give up. Lynn, we appreciate you. We appreciate everybody who has uh, downloaded the podcast, started doing the subscribing, the rating and reviewing. We're going to get more this year because we are going to push it. And Holly's going to give you $5. Maybe not $5. Okay. With uh, How about a toonie for us Canadian folk? And that with inflation is like five bucks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We will just appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of our journey as we you know, process these conversations as oh. well. I, I seriously learn a lot from every single guest. And between last week and this week, it's been yeah. really beneficial diving into the mental health journey and you know, even taking stock of our own lives and seeing where our own mental health is at. Because yeah. in Lynn's case, it was a 10-year journey downward. So mm. imagine if she could have stopped that at one, two, or three years. Yeah. And and it's not an overnight fix. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it takes time. Thank you for downloading uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for reaching out on the socials, Facebook, uh, YouTube, like, subscribe there, Twitter, Instagram, uh, where else? Am I missing? I think we're good, right? That's yeah, I the... think so. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. I was exhausted I thinking about it. That list was so long. <laughs> you can also go to faithstrongtoday.com.